Please keep your Bible open to Proverbs chapter 1. That's going to be helpful for you to follow along uh, with me. Continuing on, jumping back into our series in Proverbs called Get Wisdom, Eternal Wisdom for Everyday Life. Uh, We started a, a couple of weeks ago, really just considering what wisdom is, where we get it, and where we are to begin. And now we're jumping into uh, the rest of chapter one this morning. So I want you to picture the scene. It's Friday night. A new Christian called Rory gets a message from one of his mates on his phone. It says this, hey Rory, uh, we're going to the game tonight. Do you want to come with us? Going to football games used to be a big part of Rory's life. He, he lived for match day. He, he, he loved the excitement. He loved being one of the boys. He loved going out drinking after. He loved putting a bet on the game, but it never ended well for him. It ended in him getting drunk. It ended in him getting into fights. He always lost money, and he would always come home and end up having a huge row with his mum in the early hours of the morning. So Rory gets this message on his phone. Part of him would love to join in. He's tempted to say yes. But then he remembers the voice of Graham, who's an older Christian in his church, who's been discipling him as a new believer. He knows what Graham would say if he was to say to him, what should I do? Graham would say, don't go. It won't end well. Two voices. One says, come with us. Come join us. The other says, don't do it. Don't go. Which voice will Rory listen to? Our passage this morning is all about those two voices, the two voices that we have in our lives, and all about which one we should listen to, either the voice of wisdom or the voice of folly. And it's here, right at the beginning of the book of Proverbs, as we seek to to gain God's wisdom, which, if you remember from a few weeks ago, we thought about how wisdom is knowing how to live out God's Word well in everyday life knowing how to live out God's word well in the varying circumstances of everyday life leading to eternal life. So right at the beginning of Proverbs, we have him here preparing us to hear different voices. He said, you should seek wisdom, but get ready. There's going to be other voices telling you to go a different way. Get ready for those competing voices. Get ready for the competing voices of of sin, of of folly, of of the world, of destruction that you're going to encounter both from those from without and also even at times from our own hearts. Proverbs 1 is here this morning to warn us of the consequences of choosing to listen to those competing voices and the benefits that come if we choose to follow and listen to wisdom. So if we're a Christian here this morning, these verses are here to warn us, hey, keep listening to wisdom. Keep listening to the voice of wisdom, the the voice of Jesus. Don't be swayed by wrong voices. As a church, we we need to heed that same warning. We need to not be swayed by voices that would tell us that we need to believe different things or do things a different way or behave a different way. We need to heed the warning here for us as a church, and we need as a church to learn how to warn one another. When we seek to minister and help one another walk with Jesus, we do that with the reality that there's lots of competing voices. Maybe you're not a Christian here this morning, or you're figuring out what it looks like to follow Jesus. You think, I've no idea what God's wisdom is, and even if I did, I don't think I'd really care. Proverbs 1 is here to tell you, to warn you where your life is headed without his wisdom. And the benefits 
if you would choose to fear him and follow that wisdom. So the big thing we're going to see here this morning together is this, listen to the voice of wisdom over wrong voices. Listen to the voice of wisdom over wrong voices. First thing we see together, to get wise, which is what this series is all about, getting wise. To get wise, I must reject the wrong voices. If you look down, uh, verses 8 to 9, it begins with this um, uh, picture, this context of a father and a mother instructing us in wisdom. The, the warning of verses 18, 8 to 19 is, is given to us as teaching and instruction from a, a mother and, and a father. Why is this the case? Why, why is it put this way? Well, because in God's design, the, the home and parents are meant to play the, a, a significant part in God's wisdom being taught and passed on to future generations. That's why it's using this language here. It's not the only context for that wisdom being taught and passed on. We see the church teaching of the church, other wise Christians, other older godly Christians playing a significant role too, but the, the role of parents and the home is a significant one. It shows us that the context of teaching wisdom and of, of warning, okay, so this is a big warning here this morning, but don't, don't miss the fact that the context of that warning is family. The context of that warning is, is love. It's a father and a mother longing to see their son walk in the way of wisdom. It shows us as well that ideally both parents are actively involved in teaching God's wisdom. Both the father and mother here are called to instruct and to teach, both of them. Yes, the father is to lead in that, but both parents are involved in actively teaching and passing on to the next generation, whether that's in immediate family, or we could broaden that out to the context of the church family. Both male and females are all involved in passing on the wisdom of God to the next generation. So parents, teach your children God's wisdom and warn them against folly. Children's default, okay, culture might not, not like to hear this, but cult, uh, children's default is foolishness. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child but the rod of discipline will drive it far from them. Children are foolish. They need taught, they need instructed, they need guided, and they are surrounded by folly in this world. If we don't guide them and teach them, then we're setting them up to fail. So that's why we see uh, that that's a couple of things just on what we see there with a the father and mother. Why is it addressed to a son? Okay, Why is it not addressed to a daughter? Why is it addressed to a son? Well, first of all, it does apply to daughters and sons. It applies to males and females. It applies to everyone. And the commentator, Bruce Waltkeed, says this, that the Bible expects boys and men to assume leadership in defining families and the church. So therefore, that's why it's primarily addressed to the son, not at the expense of a daughter or a female, but because the Bible expects boys and men to assume primary leadership in defining the, the beliefs and the values and, and the identity of the home and of the church. And he also adds, boys are more likely to break the boundaries. <laughs> which I think is probably pretty true, right? The boys need addressed maybe a bit more frequently than the girls. I have a twin brother and a younger sister, and I'm pretty sure if you asked my parents if they were to come up with situations where we had ignored their wisdom and guidance and suffered the consequences for I'm sure they'd find it a lot easier to come up with examples for me and my brother than they would my sister. This is also a reminder, too, for children for children to listen to your parents as they teach you God's wisdom. Listen to your parents as they teach you God's wisdom. 
And if your parents aren't Christians or home life is hard, make sure you're surrounded by wiser, older Christians who can fill in that role for you. Make sure you're in a church that will teach you God's wisdom. Why should we listen to their teaching? Verse 9, for they are graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Kind of sounds a bit strange and maybe also a little bit naff. Like, is that what I get? A, a, a garland, you know, a, a garland on my head and a pendant? Well, they're symbolic, aren't they? We saw a lot of symbology yesterday in the things that went on. They're symbolic. A garland is symbolic of power and of life and of victory and of vindication over enemies. A pendant is symbolic of someone who is living an exemplary life. That's what we will get when we choose to um, take heed of the instruction of God's Word and God's Word passed on through others before us. And here they have a big warning. We're to listen to them and we're to listen to their warnings. Verse 10, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Do not consent. The first part of the warning is this, you will be tempted. You will be enticed. There will be those who will be persuasive and compelling in seeking to draw you away from the way of wisdom. And it will seem good. Let's not pretend otherwise. We need to be ready to realize that many of the things in this world will pull us. They will tug on the sinful tendencies of our heart. We should be ready for that. We shouldn't be neutral. We should be prepared to battle against that. What are they trying to persuade us? What are they trying to offer us? Well, three big things here. They're offering us community. You notice that? If they say, come with us, come with us. We, us and we, we see that in those verses. They're offering us an alternative community. They're offering us power. See that in the the violence that's described in these verses. They're offering the thrill of exerting power and control and force through violence. They're offering excitement in a twisted, evil way. And who suffers for that? The vulnerable and the innocent. Third thing they offer is easy money. They're offering a quick point. Come have your fill with us. Let's rob people. Let's get stuff. Let's get it quick. Let's get lots of it. Let's do whatever it takes to get it. So often those are the things which would pull us into the way of folly, community, power, easy money. And really, desire for money is at the heart of what's going on here, the heart of the evil that's going on here. You see that in verse 16, greedy for unjust gain. Sorry, verse 19, greedy for unjust gain, and they'll do whatever it takes to get it. Reminds us of 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So much of the evil and folly in our world and in our lives is rooted in greed. How much do we need then the gospel of generosity and of contentment to battle against that? So be ready to be tempted. Be ready to be enticed. But verses 15 to 19, it's a trap. Look down at verse 15. Here's the, the, the father's uh, call to his son, my son, do not walk in the way with them. Okay, don't do it. Don't listen to them. Don't even set your foot on that path. Don't even begin to think about it. Don't even entertain it because once you set your foot down that path, it'll be very hard to get off it. 
Don't go down that road. Don't listen to them. Verse 16, they they run towards evil and they make haste to shed blood. This will end terribly. This will end evilly. Don't even set a foot on that path. Verse 17 tells us, don't set a foot down that road because it's a trap. Don't fall for the trap. What verse 17 is really helpfully picturing for us here is that um, the picture there is, is casting a net out to, to catch a bird. If you were to walk up to a bird, okay, some of those pesky seagulls that crawl on the roof, for instance, if you were to go and try and catch one of them with a net and you walked right up in front of it with the net, the bird's going to fly away, isn't it? It's pointless. It's going to see the net and it's going to fly away. What, what, what verse 17 is trying to tell us is that choosing to follow the crowd is like seeing the net and walking straight into it. It's being stupider than a bird. It's being stupider than a seagull or, or a pigeon. That's how foolish following the voice of the crowd is. But yet so often we think it's the, the better option. It's the more satisfying option. And it's a trap that won't just catch you. It will kill you. It's not a, just a trap that will catch you. It's a trap that will kill you. It's a trap that will cost you your life. Not necessarily immediately, but in an eternal sense, if you keep down that way, it will kill you. Look down at verse 18. Uh, we uh, went yesterday to uh, Blair Drummond Safari Park for Joseph's birthday, and uh, one of the fun things about um, going to places like that and, and kind of reading books to him is I'm learning a lot of new things. Uh, so uh, one thing I learned yesterday, and I don't know if anyone can tell me, does anyone know what a group of tigers is called? Anyone know what a group of tigers is called? No. No. It's a pride of lions. No one know? Zoe knows. <laughs> it's an ambush. A group of tigers is called an ambush. There you go. You didn't know you were going to learn that this morning. Verse 18 refers to the trap as an ambush. This trap, not just a trap that will catch you, it's a trap that will kill you. It's like walking into a whole group of tigers. That's what this is going to do to you if you keep going down this way, if you even start to set foot down this way. That's what you're headed for, an ambush. And verse 19 confirms the sober consequences of following this path. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain it takes away the life of its possessors. So see here where listening to the wrong voice gets us. See why we need to heed this warning so closely. They promise, those voices will promise us that we'll get lots. Actually, in the end, they take everything from us. It takes everything. The language seems extreme here, doesn't it? And that's deliberate. It's meant to serve as an urgent wake-up call to show us what is at stake when it comes to the voice that we choose to follow. So we think back to Rory, uh, the offer that his friends have made him, the thrill of a fight, being part of the gang, making some money, quick money on a bet. Proverbs 1 reminds Rory that it will not end well, if not in the short term, certainly in the long term. It reminds him not to even step one foot in that direction could be fatal. For us, it could look like school or university. It's easier and more exciting to just follow the crowd. 
even if you know it's not helping you follow Jesus. Or in work, not following the crowd would mean fracturing friendships with colleagues, not getting the respect that we would long for from colleagues. It would mean not progressing in our careers as much as we'd like to. It may cost us getting more money. What about as a church? Well, we're tempted to follow the voice and the wisdom of the world and even of other unfaithful churches because we don't want to be isolated. We don't want to lose out on money. We think security is found in following the voice of the world rather than trusting in Jesus and following His Word. Or perhaps your circumstances are exactly what this passage speaks about. You're caught up with people who want to go and steal who want to extort someone, sell drugs, steal a car, start a fight, maybe even murder. Maybe you know someone who's in that position. This warning here is for the sake of saving you from that trap. So, loved ones, we we need to hear this warning this morning. We need to hear this warning to heed it. It may seem good what is on offer here, but it will not end well. And what we stand to gain is far outweighed by the brutal consequences if we follow the wisdom of this world. A couple of Proverbs which helpfully speak into this. Proverbs 13, 11. Wealth gained hastily, okay? The desire for quick, easy money is usually never helpful. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Proverbs 15, 27. Whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household. See the consequences? It's not just your own life that will be affected if you choose to walk the path of folly. You'll trouble those around you. How often we see that. Our own foolish decisions wreak havoc on the loved ones around us. Proverbs 10, verses 1 to 2. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Again, consider the consequences. Personally, family, friends, community, Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. I don't know about you, but as I read these verses, um, I hear this warning. I think to myself, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite as bad as that, right? Maybe we're all thinking that. But if we think about it in our own terms, I read these verses and I think, this is hard. I'm not sure I can do this. That's probably how Rory feels, isn't it? This is hard. I, I want to join in. I don't want to be left out. I've known the fleeting pleasures of those things in the past, and, and they're really drawing me in. This is hard. Perhaps we've failed in, in heeding this warning in the past. Maybe even right now, we're, we're wrestling with those voices. Or what about in the future if we were to mess up in this way? I'm not sure I, we, can be the wise son that we're called to be in these verses. And the Bible would agree with that. In fact, the Bible tells us we're more like the sinners of verse 10 than we are the wise son. We're by nature sinful. We are by nature and by choice readily going against God. We reject his wisdom and, and even entice others to join us in that, don't we? We're even guilty at times of making others stumble, of drawing people into our own sin. The good news of the gospel is, though, that God has sent Jesus to be the wise son we could never be. He came to be obedient on our behalf. He came to take the punishment for our sin. Verses 11 to 14, if you look down at them, describes the death that Jesus came to die for sinners like you and me. 
He was, his innocent blood was shed for us. He was unjustly betrayed by Judas, who was greedy for gain. Soldiers cast lots over his clothes. He was swallowed up by the grave, verse 12. He did all of that for us. He did all of that for us as sinners so that we wouldn't end up losing our lives, like verse 19, but gaining eternal life. That's the good news of the gospel. If we would turn from our sin and and repentance and trust in Christ, we don't end up in verse 19. We end up with eternal life. And when we come to Jesus, God looks at us as his sons and as his daughters. That's what we get when we are united to him. God no longer looks at us as sinners, but as sons and daughters. It's as if we've never sinned. And as if we've always lived the perfect life. That's what we get when we unite ourselves in faith to Jesus. And in Jesus, we're not only saved, we're not only saved, but we are strengthened through the Spirit to obey these commands, to heed these warnings, to walk wisely in this world. The Spirit enables us and empowers us to respond in obedience to this. It's not impossible. That's good news. That means we can heed this warning this morning with hope. We can live it out with the help that we need to do so. So verses 8 to 19 is the voice we shouldn't listen to. Okay, that's the voice we shouldn't listen to. Which voice should we listen to then? That's the second thing we see together this morning. To get wise, I must reject the wrong voices and then listen to wisdom's voice, verses 20 to 23. If you look down with me, I'm just going to read those verses, verses 20 to 20, uh, 33, sorry. So here's the voice we should listen to. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I will also also laugh at your calamity." I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm, and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. Then they will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices." For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. So we're to listen to this voice. Firstly, listen, wisdom is loud. Okay, did you see that in verses 20 to 23? The overriding sense there is that wisdom is loud. Is shouting above the markets, is shouting even above the noisy streets. Wisdom is personified here as a woman, and this woman is a loud woman. It's okay. She's loud. She's shouting over everything. Wisdom is everywhere. She's not just in one place. Wisdom is shouting out in multiple places. Wisdom is for everyone as well. It's in, in, in every place and for everyone. It's, it's not hidden. This warning is not quiet. This is not a quiet kind of little 
hey, you probably shouldn't do that. It's, here's wisdom. Don't go that way. Listen to me instead. God is gracious to give us that warning, to give us that wisdom. Wisdom wants to be heard. And if we ignore it, it means it's on us. We've had our chance. You're hearing that wisdom being called for, called out right now. You hear it every time you open God's Word. We can't ignore it. If we do, there's no excuse. And we need wisdom to shout loudly. Why? Because we love being fools. Verse 22, how long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? Okay, we love our folly. We love doing what we want. We love listening to the crowd. We love following the way of folly. So we need a loud voice to call us back, to pull us back. God is gracious to give us that. We love being fools reminds us that following the way of wisdom is more than just a change in behavior. It's a change of love. It's about changing what we love. Verse 23 and 25 tell us the reason we need wisdom to be loud is because we hate being corrected. We're so stubborn, aren't we? They hate reproof. We hate reproof. We hate being called out. Wisdom is gracious enough to keep shouting out, to keep calling us back. Stubborn hearts that have their affection set on folly, on sin, need an urgent, loud wake-up call. That's what God has given us here. And wisdom also needs to be loud because if you're heading for an ambush of tigers, you need someone to tell you to turn back. That's what's going on here. What's her offer? You look down. Her offer is this. Verse 23. If you turn to her, I will pour out my spirit on you and make my wisdom known to you. Make my words known to you. Reminds us in the New Testament of that promise that was fulfilled, that Christ's Spirit would be poured out on His people. John 16, Jesus promised to send His Spirit and to lead His disciples into all truth. That's what's on offer here. Listen because wisdom is loud. Listen before it's too late. Listen before it's too late. That's what verses 24 to 32 really hit home hard. Verse 28 tells us there will be a time, there will be a time when it's too late. In God's grace and loving kindness, that time is not yet for you and me. But when we die or when Jesus returns, we will have to stand before God and give an account. Listen before it's too late. Verses 26 to 27, okay, so often we're so complacent, we, we don't look ahead to the that, that, that judgment, verses 26 to 27, are here to wake us up to the reality of what's going to be like in that time. There will be terror. There will be calamity. There will be anguish. There will be a storm, whirlwind, distress. Okay, 26 to 27 is a storm warning. Okay, so if the ambush of tiger's warning didn't wake you up, here's a storm warning. And what do you do when, when you receive a storm warning? You're know if, if there's a hurricane on its way, I know we don't get many of those here, you get out. You get out. You do something. Don't just stand there and keep going the way you've been going. You do something. In that day, verse 28, 
and tells us we'll realize the horrible mistake we've made. We'll scramble to find wisdom and her hand will no longer be stretched out. She will be gone and we will reap the consequences of our decision. It's a sober warning of these verses. Verse 31 to 32, therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way. They will have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. We will get what we lived our lives for. We will reap, ultimately, eternal death and hell. But it's not too late. Listen to this warning. Listen to the offer to turn to repent from our foolishness and our sin and to turn to Jesus today, to be saved by Him, to have His Spirit and His Word embedded on our hearts so that we might live for Him and gain eternal life. That's what's on offer today. Don't be among, loved ones, don't be among those who did not fear the Lord in verse 29. Don't be among those who choose not to fear the Lord. Fear the Lord now before you face judgment. Fear him now before you face judgment. Another thing, yesterday when we were in uh, Blair Drummond Safari Park, uh, you get to drive through the animal reserves and there's lions and there's all, uh, monkeys and all kinds of things, but there's lots of warning signs up. Uh, make sure your doors are locked, make sure your windows are locked, you know, all these kind of things. And uh, I think it was going into the lion enclosure, there was one sign that just says this, you have been warned. Okay? The monkey comes into your back window, you've been warned. You have been warned. That's what this is. Everyone in this room now, you stand here, we have been warned. We're called to heed that warning for ourselves and to warn others. Listen, wisdom is loud. Listen before it's too late. And then verse 33, listen and live. Hey, there's been a lot of warning in these verses, a lot of consequences, but the last verse here shows us where listening to wisdom will lead us. Look down. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure, will be at ease, without dread of disaster. So instead of a storm, there'll be security. Instead of anguish, there will be ease. Instead of calamity, there will be no disaster. That's what we get when we follow wisdom. What about Rory? This reminds him that he needs to listen to God's wisdom and he needs to listen today. Now. He needs to listen to that older Christian in his church. He needs to listen to his words to not go. He needs to fear the Lord instead of fearing his friends instead of fearing losing them, instead of fearing what they might think of him. He needs to fear the Lord instead. He needs to not fall into the trap because who knows what tomorrow might bring. Oh, I'll just go this one time, one more time, one more time, and then I'll stop. One more time, and then I'll cut ties. Who knows what tomorrow brings? Remember how easy it is to get off track. Proverbs twenty-three seventeen. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. 
Let not your heart envy sinners. Don't envy the enticement. Don't envy what they offer. What you have in Jesus is so much better. It's the only thing that can save you. It's the only thing that can, can guarantee that security, that ease, and that no disaster. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. And don't be the person that entices others. Don't be the person, even as a Christian, who might lead others to stumble and fall into sin. For all of us then, we need to consider the consequences. We need to make sure God's voice, God's wisdom, is the loudest voice in our lives. Because every day we will continue to have those competing voices from without, from within, calling us to follow the way of folly. We need God's word to be loudest in our lives. We need to be in his word. We need to be with people who will feed us his word. We need to surround ourselves with people who will speak wisdom into our lives. God's wisdom, God's word. There's a particular area in your life today where you are tempted to really listen to those voices, either of your own sin or of those from without. Make sure you share that temptation and burden with others so they can be the person who helps warn you and reminds you of where it will lead. Let's be those who dwell in security rather than the storm of judgment. So it's available to us eternally through Jesus. So, loved ones, let's listen to the voice of wisdom over wrong voices. Let's heed the warning this morning. Let's consider the consequences. Let's be those who choose, as verse 7 told us two weeks ago, to fear the Lord. Let's not just begin there. Let's continue that way. Let us listen to the voice of Jesus. Lean on his faithfulness, his wisdom, his obedience for us as we strive to obey his commands.